It's an age-old story, or at least it's becoming one. Subject. Usually young, usually good-looking, usually versed in pop culture, discovers the internet. It could be singing clips on Instagram or comedy bits on TikTok, or, as it is in this case, YouTube. They make videos, they generate content. It's all a bit of fun. Perhaps they get a couple of friends involved. Then, if the stars align, the internet discovers them. Before long, fame comes. The kind of fame where that fun content is monetized, where hits take what is usually an ordinary kid messing about and making videos into the stratosphere of online celebrity. And what happens then? Well, for some, it's a gateway into a larger and more sustained career. Others enjoy their lucrative, if ephemeral, moment in the zeitgeist. But for others, it can crash and burn. That's the thing about the internet. When it discovers you, the control runs out fast, and it can stop being fun as quickly as it started. Enter the vlog squad, and what happened when the fun ran out, just as the money was rolling in. Welcome to Cancelled. I'm your host, Cam, and this is the show where we look back at some of the biggest and most bizarre attempts to cancel people, corporations, and even countries. You may think the subjects of our very rigorous and academic study deserve public disdain. You may think it's all a gross injustice, but it doesn't matter, because all of them were judged in the court of public opinion and ultimately canceled. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. David Dobrik. It might be a name that means nothing to you, but ask any kid in the tween teen bracket and they know exactly who he is. They'll know he has his own YouTube channel. They'll probably know he started out on Vine. And they'll know he shot to streaming superstardom through filming exploits with his ragtag bunch of mates, AKA the Vlog Squad. His whole shtick was described as friends, but for vloggers. Until it wasn't. It's a far way to fall from being compared to a seminal sitcom to being embroiled in a wide-reaching scandal that includes alleged sexual assault, entrapment, and coercion. But somehow, in an almost acrobatic turn of events, Dorbrick managed it. Behind the laughs and the quirky edits was a very different reality. This is the story of how one YouTube video unraveled the edit and showed the real director's cut. It starts with a personality. It's 2015. Dobrik is 18, and the term YouTuber has taken on a new meaning. It's lost some of its innocence with its inevitable monetization, but the raw materials of what makes a YouTuber a star are much the same. They have to look good, and Dobrik does. They have to have a story or a shtick, and Dobrik has both. Born in Slovakia, moving to the US illegally when he was six years old, Here's a guy who runs around Los Angeles with his friends, 
pulling pranks, playing games, and capturing the zeal of teenagers without inhibition. It's charming. It's endearingly immature. And at a precise running time of 4 minutes and 20 seconds, it hits a sweet spot for our increasingly truncated attention span. Like any good sitcom, it features a strong ensemble cast. A collective of content creators appear in rotation, each boasting their own following, with pranks aplenty and crossovers abound. As a group, they become known as the Vlog Squad, a glitterati of LA vloggers who make their living documenting their lives and making a meal ticket of the antics of their friendship group. But at the center of things, Dobrik is undoubtedly the lead character. Sure, the jokes are a little outrageous. Sometimes it pushes the envelope, let's say. But it's just a bunch of kids having fun, right? And if they're all having fun, what's the harm? This stuff is a numbers game, and Dobrik is way out in front. 18.3 million subscribers on YouTube with billions, quite literally billions, of individual views. Sponsorship deals in their droves. Award after award, pushing him further into the public consciousness. David Dobrik, a DACA kid who has built an audience around his boy-next-door brand and kooky charisma, is riding high. So what happened? It starts with a whisper, not a scream. Conversations that are happening in wider society begin to permeate into the online creator sphere. Movements such as Me Too, Time's Up, and Black Lives Matter, seminal and important, reframe the arena. Issues that were previously overlooked were highlighted as problematic and damaging. Dobrik's vlogs were no exception, but they managed to avoid major scrutiny until June of 2020. Seth Francois, a former member of the Vlog Squad, releases a video. Not uncommon, but this one is called Accountability to All Content Creators. And it's pretty heavy. Over nine minutes, Francois, who is Black, apologizes for being involved in what he variously describes as content which, quote, portrays his culture in a negative light. Spliced together are clips and recollections from his activities with the Vlog Squad, with Dobrik at the helm. Jokes about taking Francois, their, quote, only black friend, to the police station. Donning blackface. At one point, even physically passing him a watermelon. Like I say, it's heavy and it's offensive. But Francois, doubtless an effective creator, doesn't quite have the scope of viewers that Dobrik has. That video only receives half a million views, which dwarfs in comparison to what a Dobrik vlog commands. It cuts through but only briefly. Dobrik is able to fly under the radar, dedicating two minutes of his subsequent weekly vlog to apologize rather nebulously for, quote, past behavior, without mentioning Francois or any specific racist situation directly. Dobrik seems to manage what could have been a crisis, but as ever, he has the numbers on his side too. His vlogs were still getting hit after hit, and his persona was the driving force behind that success. One dissenter, regardless of how fluent and heartfelt his objections were, couldn't bring the house down. Francois may have been the first, but he wouldn't be the last. There's a lot of crossover between online platforms, and if you're successful in one, chances are you'll try your hand at the rest. Visuals are hot, but audio is heating up too, and podcasting is the new frontier of content. <laughs> you're here now, aren't you? In February of 2021, a popular podcast aimed at dissecting online videos called H3H3 begins to take aim at Dobrik and the wider vlog squad. 
And get this, it isn't people on the outside looking in. They're booking guests who had been on the inside and were now deciding to speak out about their experiences, much in the way Seth Francois had done nine months prior. The interesting thing about this slate of people speaking out is that they all echo much of the same thing. The vloggers might have looked like they were having the time of their lives, but the reality was much different. First up, it's a guy called Nick Kaswani. He'd been around Dobrik and Company for years, featuring prominently in various videos. Kaswani was born with a form of dwarfism which impacts the sight in his left eye. Gamely, he took jokes about his height throughout the videos, but he says that more and more, these began to impact his mental health to the point where he didn't even know why he was being featured anymore, if only to be a punching bag. Quote, It is kind of like a cult, Kaswani says later. I would come home so drained, just like mentally, I felt worthless. End quote. Seth Francois makes an appearance the very next week. He doesn't refer in detail to issues of racism, but instead brings to light a specific incident that took place back in June 2017. Dobrik posts a vlog, the premise of which is simple. Francois, blindfolded, thinks he's kissing a female friend, but is actually a male comedian associated with the group. This information isn't relayed to him until after it's happened. And here's the allegation that Francois is making, one that will echo around Dobrik and cling to his brand from this moment onwards. Quote, I was touched by someone I did not consent to, end quote. Four days later, February 16th, another episode, another allegation. Trisha Paytas, the host of the podcast, recounts an incident where she claims Dobrik hid in a hotel room where she and her then-boyfriend had sex and that he filmed her naked without her consent. Allegedly, her boyfriend knew about the quote-unquote prank. Paytas asked Dobrik not to post the video. It was launched and racked up over 14 million views before being removed. This pattern continues. Like a balloon filling with water, the effect is not immediate, but it's noticeable. Reports of blurred lines around consent. Allegations of bullying. Similar characterizations from Paytas, Kaswani, and others around an environment that was toxic. It seemed as though as the scope got wider, the stakes got higher. Vlogs would become more outrageous. Pranks would become more dangerous. A botched wakeboarding stunt required one of the squad to have surgery on his face and skull. The monetization of the content became a motivation to push further, faster, and possibly even to stretch and surpass the limits of what participants could handle and what they wanted to. March 16th, no going back. Business Insider drops an article. A woman who appeared in a video on Dobrik's channel from 2018 has alleged that, on the night of filming, she was raped by a member of the vlog squad and friend of Dobrik's, Dom Duarte Dom Zagladis. The vlog was around group sex, and Zagladis, who had fostered a persona around being comically pervy, had invited a group of girls around to engage in an orgy. The article includes a quote from Paytas, claiming Dobrik asked an older member of the group to purchase alcohol for the girls as they were under 21. Things click into action immediately, and the fallout is sharp. YouTube temporarily demonetizes Dobrik's channels. Zaglatis releases a statement, apologizing but saying that the encounter with his accuser was consensual. Then, an apology. Two minutes and 30 seconds. 
Dobrik reports learning from his mistakes. He's distanced himself from Zagladis, he says. Consent is at the heart of his content, and some of his content he disagrees with. It's not good enough, and it's unacceptable. Sponsor after sponsor jump ship. EA Sports, HBO Max, Audible, gone, gone, gone. He's forced to step down from the board of a $200 million photo app he co-founded. In the 24 hours after that Insider article is published, Dobrik hemorrhages followers, losing up to 100,000. He loses views, too, a result of him deleting high-ranking videos amid the flurry of forensic interest and deconstruction, not just with regards to the rape allegation, but on reflection of the racist, sexist, and ableist content alleged to have been filmed, too. It's a damning trifecta, and in a few short weeks, a brand built up from the days of Vine has collapsed in front of him. It seems he has been canceled. Radio silence. Then, another apology video. Longer this time. Dobrik is sat on the floor. He addresses the rape allegations and once again says he had no idea what was going on. He accepts that shock value was an inherent factor in his videos and that this created an unfair power dynamic that he hadn't previously been aware of. The video cuts at the moment he becomes emotional. It feels sincere, more sincere than his previous efforts. A young kid makes millions messing about with his mates online. Maybe he won't have a sophisticated analysis on power dynamics and structures and how these need to be maintained and handled responsibly. But here's the thing. Everyone knows what consent is. Everyone knows what it means when someone agrees to something and equally what it means when they don't. There are countless stories that corroborate a toxic environment, bullying, arbitrary and careless, with Dobrik at the center. With 18 million subscribers, there is an onus of responsibility. There is a duty of care, not just to participants in your videos, but to the malleable minds of a younger demographic that watch this stuff. Dobrik may have had his name tarnished, but he's still posting videos. After a three-month hiatus in June 2021, he made a comeback with a vlog that gives no recognition of the controversy that blazed around the Dobrik project that summer or, indeed, indication that the model had changed at all. There's the squad, and granted a few faces are missing, they all look like they're having as much fun as they ever did. They've filmed and cut print around the cracks. And maybe that's the issue. Maybe in a world of streaming and quick hits and perpetual scandal, it's too easy to just delete a few vlogs, make a few edits, and start again. In an arena that is ephemeral as they come, with minimal accountability, perhaps the trick to avoid getting canceled is to cancel yourself. Then, you can just wait a few months, drop another vlog when the dust has settled, and get back to business as usual. This episode was written by Anton Ferry. This is a Broccoli Production.